0: Welcome to the Inner Huddle, the podcast for parents and coaches to help children fulfil their potential both on and off the pitch.
1: Welcome along to the Inner Huddle Series Two, Episode Nine. I'm Pez, he's Jeff, and this episode is sponsored by SR Health Safety and Engineering Limited. Straight in, where oh Jeff? Straight in. Straight in. Straight in. How are you doing, mate? Smashing pairs, how are you? I'm terrific. It's um, it's been a while. Yeah, I'm feeling very out of touch. Yeah, I I seem to remember we start almost every episode now, so it's been a while. Yeah, and I mean the idea was to try and do it every fortnight, but just with the amount of coaching and things we've got on, it's it's not always possible. But we are almost at the end of series two because we'll do ten episodes, and this is episode number nine, so almost there, Jeff, and. uh, have a little break, maybe, <laughs> and then go again for season three. Can't wait. Heads down, get through it. <laughs> <laughs> Heads down, get through it. Well, that's become one of our mottos, is not it? Yeah. Tin hats on, dig yeah. deep, get through it. <clears throat> so, we have, Jeffrey a list of questions in front of us that have been sent in by various people. Um, and it's some of them came in a long time ago, and I've forgotten who they've come in from. But I have a list in front of me, and we will aim to uh answer them the best we can and add some value and, and give some advice from all our many years in the game there's some big long questions there Peer, there so are some big long questions here. this week should i read
0: all the questions badly and you answer them brilliantly no no i think
1: oh,
0: <laughs> no we'll go alternate again why right. can i do number one then because the because it's a short one odd ones look a bit shorter than the evens to me Brilliant. Is that okay?
1: Yes. Shall we just dive straight on in? Question number one.
0: Yes. My son plays for a team with his friends. Many of them have also started playing for another team. He'd really like to go along with them and play, but by his own admission, he's not as good as them. Do you have any tips on how he can improve quickly
1: and help catch up? Yeah, I guess that's what we do for a living, isn't it, Jeff? really? Accelerated football development. Yeah. Um, difficult one i mean i've written down on my notes here purposeful deliberate practice um, and that's the key so contact time with the ball as much as possible on his own if you've got um, an area of the garden or if you can take him to the park or something like that uh, uh, an area where he can practice his ball skills and um, what to practice um there's plenty of stuff on youtube nowadays isn't there jeff individual ball mastery practices um dribbling practices, shooting practices. So I would hunt for things that you think you can do or got space for on YouTube um, and uh, facilitate the time and then just maximising that time with plenty of contact time with the ball. I don't know what you think, Jeff.
0: Yeah, I think the way that the question's worded, it almost sounds like, I think it's exciting because the child probably thinks oh I can get so much better and catch up and mm-hmm. so as long as it stays with that mindset rather than you have to do this and we have to do this to be better like almost like it's forced practice as long as it's something that is a process that they can really get a teeth into and enjoy um, and then the key is to really just keep showing up and do little bits every day if you can isn't
1: it and yeah you'll see quick progress as long as you're doing the right things and You know, don't get frustrated with it as well, because it's not um, an easy thing to to catch up. I mean, we don't know what levels we're talking about here, but it's it's slow improvement over a long period of time. And I think don't panic. Um, You know, don't be scrambling to catch up. So always, if you're doing these practices, look for the quality of the practices as well as the quantity. Um, and have some fun with it, and don't feel like it's the be all and end all to catch up. Because these players, if it's you know a decent club and they're training, they'll they'll be improving as well. Um, and it might might take a long time, but it's not maybe so much about catching up. It's just about their own journey and their own improvement, whether they wanted to get into a, another team with their friends or not. And I mean, maybe talk to this team that his friends are playing for and. And, and ask the coach's advice there. Maybe you can go training with him, and then they can um, tell you exactly, um, you know, which direction to take his individual training, or, or how close to it he's got to get. And you know, just open up a bit of open dialogue and a bit of communication, and you you might find that he can get involved quicker than you think.
0: Yeah, well answered, Pez. So this could be quite a quick. It's never gonna
1: be quick. Come on, it's, it can never, be. Believe. it's never gonna be quick. Right, so we question number two? Question number two, okay. So oh, God, they. these are so long these ones, right. Try not to fall asleep whilst I read this out in my monotone voice. I have run an under ten team for two seasons and have really enjoyed it. However, I found it hard to keep players for this season as many left to join another club that play in a more glamorous league. One of the players' dads literally tapped them all up towards the end of last season, having joined us at the start of the season, and they left in the summer, although one has already come back as it was far too serious and not much fun. It's really knocked my confidence, and the way I've been treated has had an effect on my enthusiasm to the point I'm not sure I want to do it anymore. Is tapping up a normal part of children's football, and should I quit if my enthusiasm has gone? What a question! Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, isn't it? It's a very heartfelt yeah. question. And I feel like we really do need to um, to to give this um a lot of thought and try and add some value. Um, anything from you? Whilst you're reading it, I underlined um
0: the the part where you really enjoyed it at the start. Yeah. Um. So uh, have a think about why what it was that gave you that enjoyment. Um, I don't think there'll be many coaches that have been coaching for a little while that won't have experienced this, whether it's youth level or any level, isn't it? And it, can, it is heartbreaking when a, a player th- moves on um, and you feel like you've you've given a lot. Um,
1: well, you give everything sometimes, yeah, don't you? Sacrifice yeah. and you start sac- Sacrifice your time, your money sometimes. Counting you, up the birthdays you missed and... Nights out you've family. missed
0: and yeah, time with your family or think times where you could have gone to a game yourself for your own enjoyment rather than Yeah um giving up your time for other people's enjoyment. Um so but uh, the, after that I've also underlined one has come back already. Um says a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. And also if you can reframe it so that if you can get your enjoyment back and everything you're doing is for that one that has come back that one that's come back is really important isn't it even if it's just one one child's well childhood really isn't it that you're making a difference to
1: well it proves that it's um it's nothing that this coach has done wrong because otherwise that child wouldn't come back yeah so it's just the fact that for whatever reason the grass is always greener type attitude um these players have gone because they've been sold some sort of dream or something, you know, and been tapped up. Um, it actually speaks volumes that they have come back because exactly. it's probably
0: quite a difficult thing to do, isn't it? To
1: come back. Yeah, with. they've come back to somewhere where they feel safe and comfortable and, and realise that they were happy. Wouldn't, if they'd been miserable at your club, they wouldn't have come back. Yeah. So I think it, it speaks volumes. And yes, it is soul destroying sometimes. We get it a lot, don't we, Jeff? Um, In fact, we get it more than most because, or perhaps I do, because I'm not a team. Um, I just do group sessions with children on an individual training program to try and help them develop into better players that move better and and, and are better at the game and and love it and accelerate their learning. Um, So sometimes, well, they get very good at what they do when they come to what we do jeff because they're getting the right training and they're maximizing the time and getting lots of purposeful practice and when children start to get good they get tapped up by teams that want them to come in and help them win games of football and sometimes the training clashes with what we do and then they disappear because it might be a glamorous league like um has been said in this question and they disappear And um, unfortunately it's quite often they do come back or you pass cross again in one two three years time and they've been coached to be so average and you know they might know the tactics and be aware of certain nuances of the game but actually with the ball and being good at football they've gone backwards and and a, a dog average and it breaks my heart every time Jeff so I can really relate yeah and um I've
0: also just reread it again towards the end, and the way that um, I've been treated has affected my enthusiasm. Um, it should really be a compliment that there's enough players there that um, have gone on to do really well that somebody else wanted them. Yeah, so, so it's something's you've, done. You've done only right. been treated that way again because yeah, it's done right, which it's is again your own success is very very similar to what you have described with. Um, as a street soccer and it does happen all the time doesn't
1: it yeah and and just be careful of it as well that it hasn't knocked your enthusiasm or your enjoyment because you enjoyed winning I presume if you've got all these players that have been tapped up you're quite a good side Um, and now you think oh we might lose and there might be a touch of ego which we all do and all have um, entwined with it try and think what other things you really like about being a coach um, and i get it because it's not about that for me because i'm not a team but i grow attachments to these children and yeah. you have banter with them and you bond with them um, and then you might get a text saying oh he's joined a team training clashes thanks for everything you've done see you later and you're just like no oh, i have only even got a chance to say goodbye you know it's um you do feel like you've been treated badly but mm-hmm. As my other half's always telling me, you've got to try not to take it so personally, um, and it is very, very difficult because I do do it. Um, but try and think that it's not anything personal against you. It's just they're trying to do what they think's best for their child in that moment, and they've had someone else in their ear saying this is the best thing for your child by far, and they're going to go and explore that. It's it's nothing against what, what you've done or said. It's all over,
0: all over to them. I don't know if this is the right mindset or not, but <clears throat> I feel like the, most of the reason people go and try these different teams that are dressed up as an elite, somewhere between yeah. grassroots and something more than grassroots, even though it's still grassroots. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the reason is the parents' fear of missing out. So quite often we'll get pulled to one side, won't we, and asked. What do you think about this league that I've been hearing so much about? Yeah. Um, and then you can see in their eyes, and you could see the way that they're asking the question that they've already got a fear of missing out, or their child missing out on something that could be magical. Yeah. Um, From in a, a friend of theirs, he's on Facebook all the yeah. time with. Oh, I keep seeing them talking about how what a me. good setup yeah. it is and well-drilled they are, or some nonsense that doesn't really mean mm-hmm. anything but impresses people, doesn't it, yeah. at the time? Um, so, can you flip that around? I've saying about it might not be the right mindset well if this is a big fear of missing out what can you put on that means that they'll have a fear of missing out what your club's doing whether it's uh, an, a night out together that you've arranged and a Christmas party and an end of season do and um, maybe a tour
1: or whatever you the can tours organise always worked for me so at the beginning of the year you would set up a tour for the end of the year and if people wanted to leave they knew that they were missing out on their tour especially if you add instalment payments all yeah. the way through um, you know, I don't want to sound like you're trapping people uh, yeah. but the, you know it's just to give them something else to think about rather than it's just easy Or go and have a look at that uh, we can always go back to Pez what? or yeah. whoever
0: it might be and you know. I, I don't know if that is the right mindset and the right attitude but can you go toe to toe with them with a the fear of missing out because if that's the thing that's there's some sort of carrot that doesn't really exist and you've got a real carrot that does actually mm-hmm. exist that is um improving children's lives and making all parts of their lives better then why not think it as a challenge and go, right, I'm going toe to toe with them and Yeah, and it might improve what, what
1: this person does themselves and what they deliver. Yeah. I mean don't get too hot up about that that you're always constantly chasing yeah what other places got. Have your I mean I wrote in my notes beforehand about having your own identity. Um and I've I've written here, the most important players are the ones that are there now and that's always the case. Yeah don't dwell on the ones that have gone um yeah it it might have been upsetting but they've gone now and the most important ones are the ones you've got now um and and keep being you and and keep doing the good work that you're doing i put here stand for something so if your club or your ethos your philosophy stands for something it might be that the kids all have equal time and they all enjoy it and we're a development team and we do things as a club so as Jeff said you might have barbecues and mm. nights out and a real family feel and that's your identity then keep doing what you're doing and you'll find that as has already happened players will come back because they like that or you'll attract new ones and the ones type of players that you want um, but as I've previously said don't just base it on whether you're winning or losing games because it's much more important things than that and for
0: from what I can tell these are just teams that where you just turn up, you train, you go home, you turn up for a match, you play, you go home. and yeah, A lot of kids don't even like each other in these
1: teams no, no. because they've all been tapped up from different and teams.
0: If if you get beat, they call it development. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're winning, <laughs> they call it development. <laughs> but we're the, best, really, we're the best
1: team in the yeah, world. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. dressed up as something it's not, as far as I am yeah. concerned. I think it's very easy to tap up a player if you're from one of these elite teams... You know, you can make it look good. You can make training look good. Um, you know, the kit can look good. You can say, "Oh, we're playing in a wonderful league. All the best players play in this league. This is the league that all the scouts come and watch." Tiny Tim's already been scouted by this team and that team. I mean, we've seen it all over the years, and I don't know whether there's some course, but these people go on, but they certainly learn very quickly um, to know what parents want to hear to get them across. And it's very difficult as a parent. I think I said it in the last episode. My son boxes and if England boxing super duper things set up locally and they said, oh, we really like your lad. He's got potential. Could he come over and train with us from here? It'd be really difficult not to take him. I'm not going to lie. You know, throw in a Boxing England badge on it or something. And I get it. It's tough. But the grass isn't always green. And what, what I find happens is a lot of these players, by the time they're 11 or 12, have been around five, six, seven of these organizations or different teams um, in different leagues, or maybe even in the in the same elite league, um, searching for something that's really not there, and um, which probably going full circle. Someone like this gentleman, I presume it's a gentleman actually, it might not be. Um, this coach has, has said. Um, you know there might have been they had there all along with a nice family club with someone who really cares and wants what's best for them all because don't get me wrong a lot of these managers that are well, people that are tapping up other children they just want them to come in and win a game of help them win a game of football and if you're a parent of one of these children's getting tapped up don't be fooled don't be fooled they want you and your child to come in help them win a game of football at the weekend so people can pat them on the back to either further their development and their opportunities or sometimes because their kids in the team i get deep now aren't i and they you know want to surround their kid with the best players so that their kid can have loads of trophies and medals or sometimes just because they've got big egos and they want to win everything and play a football manager for real that's quite negative at the end wouldn't it, Jeff? to mean to go down that rabbit hole but throw it all out there I reckon it was all so nice and light and airy wasn't it and then I went on a rant but anyway keep doing what you're doing um, and stand for something and players will come um, and if they leave they will come back and unfortunately tapping up is part and parcel of the game and it shouldn't be and I hate it and if I could think of a way where it didn't happen the kids do it in school managers I've known have sent their own kid in or spoken to the team captain or oh, you you sit next to him in class or he goes to your school can you have a word with him at lunch and put the pressure on and it happens and if anyone doesn't think it does then you're nuts is that a better way to end it <laughs> <laughs> i do love a, i do love a pez rail i know i go off on one i enjoy I? it yeah it tires me out jeffrey it tires me mm, out
0: perhaps it's... i should write a book Shall we move on to question number three before... <laughs> before I
1: think of something else to rant Before you about. fall
0: asleep, before you finished your book. Yes.
1: Go on, mate. Actually, the book's finished, Jeff. It's finished. When should we talk about that? Or do it later? Come All on. Right. At the end. At the end. When everyone's asleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Go on, mate. Question number three. My question is about academy football. My son loves to find space and pass and move, but when he's at academy training and they do small-sided matches, no one else passes. In fact, you see players running into six opponents with their head down, and it's encouraged. I get get the 1v1 idea, beat the man, etc, but even this surely needs coaching. Do I get my son to come and snatch the ball and copy others trying to take on the team until they lose it, or stick to making the choices he wants on standing off the play, yelling for the ball, which inevitably never comes? And will those coaches recognize his spatial awareness or see it as him not being involved? That's almost like a Pez rant, isn't it? That was, um,
1: yeah, you need a drink of water after that one, I think, Jeffrey. I'm going to have one. Um, It's something I've come across a few times before, not just at academy football, but all sorts of training. There's no mention of um, age group here. So it's quite difficult. I mean, if this is happening under 12s, under 13s, I'd be very, very concerned. But if it's happening under nines, or maybe even if it could be even a pre academy, who knows, um, which would be under sixes, seven and eights, then I I wouldn't worry too much. Um, I've written here, don't panic, um, which again is easy for me to say when your child's sat out on the wing in space waiting for the ball to be played to him and a ball that never comes Um, and it can be frustrating for him and it can be really frustrating for a parent watching that happen because you just want your kid to have an opportunity to show what they can do and to be honest while they're out on the wing and they haven't got the ball they're not really developing Um, but unfortunately as I've written in my notes here children develop spatial awareness at different rates and at the young ages most children think football is only about the ball and they can't comprehend that they can still be involved in the game unless they're chasing the ball or they've got the ball so it is a bit like a magnet to them at at the young ages and it might be that the coaches there are encouraging them to experiment to explore Uh, and to learn through their own trial and error. So it might look very chaotic um, and not like the real game because they're not being coached. You stand here, you stand there, you shouldn't be here, you should go there and all of that kind of stuff. They're just letting them play and then they're maybe learning about the players that they've got. So they might be taking notes. They might realise, well, this lad's out on the wing. He's never getting the ball. Good spatial awareness. This lad does this, this lad does that. He's very one foot, And they're trying to find out in their natural state rather than, than them being forced and then not really knowing what they're dealing with. Um, like I say, if this is a team that's doing the same thing after two, three years, then yes. But if it's quite recent and they're very young, I wouldn't worry and I wouldn't panic. And training's always the important thing. So if the training that they're getting is good and this is just the match part, I wouldn't worry too much anyway. And maybe talk to the actual coaches and just explain to them what your concerns are. Um, Just be open and honest with them. Say, I think my lad's developed his spatial awareness um, a bit quicker than the others. So he spends a lot of the game time standing out the wing without the ball. Have you got any suggestions? Because I'm worried that he's gonna go under the radar and he's not showing what he can do or his enthusiasm might be dropping. And, you know, any coach worth their salt will help you out with that. So don't panic. It's all very natural. I've seen it a million times. Um, And it can't be forced. Well, it can be forced. But if you force children to go into space when they're not ready, you're kind of taking away that natural enthusiasm. They've got to be around the ball. And it makes me laugh sometimes, Jeff, when teams all want their players to be in space and then what they what they really want new players coming in is to be busy ones that get around the pitch and hunt the ball out you are like, well you've coached that out of most of them because you've said you've got to stand here and you've got to stand there and it's like i say they might just be taking a look at their players and seeing what their characters are like at that present moment in time as then a starting point to build from there and work from I don't know if that was a rant or not, Jeff. Probably not a rant. No, but no. I waffled. So, over to you, mate. Um,
0: uh I'm just interested to see how small-sided the game is. If you manage to run into six opponents, that would be <laughs> <head down. laughs> I never thought of that coming from a futsal background. Mm. This five-a-side, isn't it? And I see small-sided games as literally two v twos, three v threes, and not yeah. really much more than that. But the odd four v four. Um. And working in pairs and doing paired work and underlaps, overlaps, crossovers and and different ways of um, getting movements in away from the ball so that you can create your own space Um, and the less players you've got the less options you've got so it probably will be some uh, more 1v1s and and 1v1 can mean not just the battle between the person who has the ball and the direct defender, but it could be a 1v1 away from the ball and around the ball, can't it, where you're getting a block and a screen in or doing a double movement to make a bit of space for yourself. That 1v1 battle could be happening 20 yards away from the ball. Um, So it's not all about a 1v1 direct opponent with the ball, is it? So um, Without actually seeing the sessions and the match play, it's really Mm -hmm. hard to comment, isn't it, Pez? Yeah, um, and knowing what the bigger picture is. But my first thought is that that's not a small-sided game if you can find
1: six opponents to dribble into. It might be a slight exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. Head down, six opponents. Yeah. They might get back to me and say, actually, it's three opponents, but everyone wants to beat them twice, yeah, so put yeah. six. You know, it's it like say, without seeing the session. Um, I think if you're ever wondering what's going on, You've got every right to speak to the coach. Don't yeah. become a problem parent. Yeah, There's a chapter on that in the book, Jeff, but we'll get to that yeah. later. Um, don't become a problem parent. But I think you've got every right to, to wonder why and, and inquire as to what um, the coach is trying to achieve with a certain session. And like I said, they might turn around and say, we want it to make it as chaotic as possible because we want children to learn that maybe that's not the way to do it. What could they do differently because they keep giving the ball away? you never know that like say they might just want to be finding out about their players and they might have done it or be doing it just to find out which players take themselves away from that and put them in space and then your son's right top of the tree because that's what he's done so without knowing what their end goal is for the session or the topic or however long it's been going on for it's very difficult to comment on but like i say don't panic and and, and talk to them and you know, try and keep your child's enthusiasm up and if you think he's lacking a bit of contact time with the ball because he's not getting it, then try and facilitate some training where he does get a lot of time on the ball.
0: Yeah, and also I call it parent blinkers, don't I? Just be careful that you're not just watching the game through your parents' eyes where you're thinking everything's about your child because mm-hmm. it's about every single child that's there and it might just be because you're looking it through that lens all you're seeing is every time that someone might have passed to your child to make them look good um, they've turned it down for a different decision but that child's got every right to make that same decision and make that mistake and have that learning yeah, um, as your child has when they
1: get the ball eventually if they do get it um, so it's very interesting to pick up on that that something I've given a lot of thought about When parents are watching a match, they are only ever, as much as they might deny it, but they are only ever watching their child. So when their child's not on the ball, their eyes are on their child. Um, They're not really watching the game, maybe scanning it in the corner of the eye, but it's all about their child and everyone's doing it. Um, Which is why there's so many different opinions on the same game. It's like when I watch boxing, I've noticed I only watch my favourite boxer. I don't watch the other one. I watch what that boxer's is doing, how they're moving, what they're doing, because I want that guy to win. I've, you know, hung my hat on that boxer, and I want them to win. And it's the same with football. So you're seeing probably a very different picture yeah. of what's actually going on, Um but doesn't mean it's not frustrating. That's a really it? good
0: analogy, actually, Piers, because there is quite often times where you'll be watching boxing, and you've missed an you miss load You've missed an uppercut or a uh, jab or some combination or something that you didn't see. Yeah, because, because one you
1: been... your your focus is only yeah. on the one person. Yeah. And your bias is naturally shifting towards them. So you might ignore certain things so you didn't see the uppercut or whatever it might be. Which is why at the end of a boxing fight when I hear different opinions from other people and you're like, they well, are they watching the same fight as me? And there's only two people in the in the ring and it's because you're you're blinkered. You're not watching the whole picture You're pinning everything onto your favourite one and it's human nature we do that anyway, I think. You pick one, don't you, in a a 50-50 and and, and then your biases go towards them. And And I think in a really extreme case of this, we've probably seen
0: parents almost have a vendetta against an under-9, under-10 player because they see that player constantly choosing an option that isn't passing to their child. Yeah. And over the course of a season or two, that can become a real grudge, can't it, for a parent if they're thinking, oh, this child's holding my child back because they're not passing them the ball enough.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I've had parents whisper in my ear before, I you know, say, of course he's top goal scorer because he never he passes the ball. Yeah. You know, um, things like that. So, yeah, some jealousy's coming. in. No- nothing winds other parents up more than a kid who holds onto the ball too long.
0: Yeah. A ball hogger as they call
1: it. Yeah. Um, because, unfortunately, ball hoggers, however good they are, at whatever level, will give the ball away more than other players. So if your bias is against them or that type of player, you're just going to pick up on the times that they they did give the ball away um, and sort of ignore the times when they have done something good. Um,
0: which, On the flip side, I used to play with a lad who... Was a bullhog, and it used to infuriate me because yeah, because you were a you were a
1: player. You he, know,
0: get, he would turn. He would do the same turn every time. Sometimes it would come off, great, well done. But then he would just keep dribbling until he lost the ball, and there was never an end product. Um, and I don't know, but this this was an adult. Well, maybe if he had been child. allowed to do that as a kid, and we don't know,
1: yeah. a coach might have picked up on that and helped him, or he might have learned through trial and error. You know, mm. he's now experimenting at however age he was in his 20s. And um, he should have done his experimenting when he was six and seven and got it out of his system and learnt through trial and error. I don't I'm, know. I've quite, got I a feeling mean. he'd been like that his whole life. His so. whole life. No one had ever said. I doing? think
0: plenty of people have told him.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I have played with players like that. And to be honest, I was probably guilty of it myself at some point. But some of it was an um, enthusiasm of I just wanted to help the team. And yeah. I knew I could do it. So I would try it, um, but yeah, very frustrating for 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 parents. And like I say, I don't think anything winds them up more than a greedy kid, because the ball's not being shared around anybody else. Yeah. Whilst that kid's gone. going
0: back to this question, I don't know. We don't know what age this this child is, do we? No. Um, but kids, they don't share sweets, do they? If you give them a bag of sweets, they will eat the whole bag of sweets. Mine generally. Doesn't. <laughs> Some will. And it sounds like this child probably would share their sweets around.
1: Um, My My child doesn't. No. They always want some of mine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gives a bite. Constant, (laughs) whatever it is, gives a bite. I wonder where he's got it from. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I think we've probably done that as much justice as we can. I I would just throw in, especially if it's academy football, trust. Trust them that they know what they're doing. Trust the process and, and communicate. Yeah. Otherwise, what are you doing there? Yeah, and and if it is terrible, don't be scared to pull them out just because yeah. you feel you're missing out on academy football. Yeah, because you know their development's much more important than that, and it just might not be for them.
0: And I, I suppose I'm just adding to this again, aren't I? Don't like going on, but
1: <laughs> fueling my fire, Jeffrey. Every
0: club is different as well, aren't they? Every club's got a different top-down plan and type of player that they're trying to. So you might go to a Bournemouth and their sessions will look completely different to oh, yeah. Southampton that's not that far away. And at times are in the same same league or the same sort of level in the same league, aren't they? And um similar sort of pool of players, um, similar amounts of money being spent on players and all that kind of stuff. But there'll be their academy sessions will look totally different. One will be can you go from A to B as quickly as you can and then make a recovery run and the other one will be, can you be creative and stay on the ball and yeah. and a bit more like um, this question said with the 1v1s and, and all that kind of stuff. So it might just completely depend on which academy you're at. And at what age group. So And if it suits your, your child with that coach in that moment in time and then the first team manager might get sacked in the whole top to bottom. Yeah. Philosophy of the top club top changes top. the next week. So... You yeah. never know what can happen, do
1: you? Yeah, it's very true. I mean, When I was involved in academy football, like you say, Bournemouth were very possession-based, passing the ball to death sometimes, very good positional shape, um, pleasing on the eye, playing out from the back. Um, Spurs, for example, were all about 1v1s. Can you stay on the ball? Can you create? Can you make things happen? Proper club. Keep well... <laughs> <laughs> had to throw that in there, didn't you? I didn't think you liked football anymore, Jeff? You're all futsal uh, it's, It runs deep. It runs deep. Anyway, I hope we've helped with that and not confused you more. Um, but like I say, communicate. Don't panic. Trust, and um, keep at it. Whose turn is it, Jeffrey? Uh,
0: it's now an even number, so it's yours. That big long one.
1: Oh, the last of the big long ones. Right. On, deep breaths. I have a daughter that plays under-12s football for a grassroots side. In pre-season, a local academy held elite trials, recommended to us by her coach. She did them and was successful. The coach did not realise at the time that the elite training clashes with her team training. She's been doing half of her club, then onto the elite straight after her choice now it's dark that's not possible and the coach has said if she chooses elite she will have to start on the bench come game day ultimate question is what should she do she will improve with the elite training playing with better players but miss out on starting games i have left all this up to her and she's made all of the decisions around it so far so reading between the lines got um an under 12 girl who their team coach has obviously recommended her to an elite place she's got in and not realizing that he stitched himself up a bit because the training clashes or the training evening clashes Um, and while she could she was getting away with going from one straight to the other Um, and now it's dark she can't do that it's not an option so yes Difficult one, Jeffrey. I say that always when I'm going to throw something over to you. Difficult one, Jeffrey. Well, is it though?
0: Because the child's making all their own choices. Yeah. Um, I almost think a little bit fair play to the coach because you've recommended someone maybe going further their development elsewhere. It would be really easy for the go- to say, oh, I've got a really good girl here who's doing really well. I'm going to keep starting her over the ones that are coming to all the training sessions, but they're mm-hmm. sticking to their principles and their beliefs and sticking by the players that are at training, regardless.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I can say from my own point of view, if I'm running a team, I'm not having anyone playing in my game at the weekend if they haven't trained with the other players. I just I don't know whether that's right or wrong, and I know some do it. I've got some that come to my stuff miss their training and then they play at the weekend but I know that I I want to work with my players at training, I want to help develop the team as well as the individuals I want them to bond, I want them to have experiences together and then it's probably a bit over TT but go into the trenches together and and, you know try and win a game of football So
0: Ideal world, somebody would change their training night wouldn't they and everyone can do everything that they want to do um, but that's a bit unfair to ask everybody to change their routine for yeah. around one person as well isn't it
1: it's, um... I said it's a difficult one because for me and I always say it, training is more important than the matches Yeah. so in you know black and white it looks like I would normally say always go where the training is the best because that's what's important the matches aren't so if she sits on the bench she sits on the bench however I don't feel it's as easy as that um because there's so much else that's important with playing with your friends um, and being together and trying to get a result and everything that goes with it and life lessons and she might start feeling a little bit ostracized from the group oh here's the special one that doesn't have to train and it kind of worms can be opened up here i think jeff communication and everyone knowing exactly what's going on and what's happening would have to be absolutely on point yeah. for this to work, for everyone involved, the coach, the parent, the child, everything. Um, which is why I said it's a difficult one, because I'm not still, because I'm not involved in it and I don't know these people, still not sure <laughs> which side of the fence that I sit on it. And I believe it or not, I'm leaning towards, what is it, under 12s? Oh, i don't know still leaning towards team your team and try and find another elite group somewhere that yeah that, that you can go to team's so important I'd like say life lessons and you know not abandoning your team for something better and i don't know there's just something in my mind is just saying team but without knowing what the elite setup's like it might be you know a real opportunity that's you know a, a, some sort of pro academy level and could lead to better things and I very difficult and if this person wants to get back to me a little bit more give me a little bit more context you know privately I would yeah definitely discuss it a, a lot more and probably be able to give a some better advice than than what I can with with what I've got like I say I always training is the most important thing but
0: yeah but training know, without Games is a bit like doing rehearsals without a
1: performance if you're. Yeah, and it's what you love and what yeah. you enjoy. And the game of football, playing is what it's all about. That's what we fell in love with. We didn't fall in love with training. No. You know, we fell in love with playing the match and, you know, kids learn how to compete and how to learn how to win and how to lose. Um, you know, how to win when they don't deserve to and, you know, how to accept losing sometimes when they deserve to win and that life's unfair and there's just so much that can be learned in their personal development through playing matches and playing in a team and being part of something. I, I just lean in towards that. Um, personal development team and then football development maybe the elite but I think personal development is more important than football development, if that makes sense. I don't know.
0: That yeah, did because not. of your sign-off at the end of this podcast, really, isn't it? Well,
1: yeah, exactly that. Um, and, you know, I know it's cliche, but what will make her happy? If she's happy going to the elites and then sat on the bench watching her friends play, then, you know, it might be that the coach, because she's a really good player, obviously puts on the bench for five minutes and then puts her on because he feels like he can't start her and you know everyone's happy and that's fine but um like i say without a little bit more context it's difficult but like i say training will help improve her quicker football wise but being in a team with your friends and being committed to something will help her personal development much more and i think personal development is more important i just repeat it myself then, Jeff, but yeah. it's an important point. Hammer, hammer home. Well done, Pess. Yeah, I, I feel like I need a drink after that one. <laughs> right. Don't just mean this water, Jeff. <laughs> Under pressure this week, these have been really important questions. Whilst you have your drink, I'll read out question number five. I appreciate that.
0: What is or are the biggest misconceptions about coaching <sighs> youth football that you hear all the time?
1: Mate, it's not getting any easier, is it? I think we've uh, probably mentioned one or two things along the way. Well, I read this question about two hours ago, Yeah. again this morning, so i like to go through them. And I just, God, they just kept popping into my head. Okay. So I wrote a list of ones that we don't have to go through them all, but they just came in. Now uh, go through your list. Head. Let's hear well, it. it. Pez's biggest misconceptions. Misconceptions. I've put that all coaching is the same, that all coaches are the same, that coaching sessions should look good and be mistake free. That playing matches is more important than training. That players just need an opportunity to get spotted. That playing with and against the best players is key. That goal scorers get noticed the most. That elite leagues are the best place for your child to develop. And that was just literally off the top of my head. Which is pretty much what my whole book's written about, is misconceptions in football and educating people and that's about 240,000 <laughs> words so we can't go into them all um, do you want to pick out any of those have you got any of your own Jeff can you just read that last one again that elite leagues are the best place for your child to develop is a common misconception yeah. seems to be a, a race to get into your local elite league and play with the best and against the best and you'll become the best
0: yeah. type and this is the manager. league that all the scouts come to watch
1: yeah. and we've mentioned a bit of this earlier in an earlier question um, I think it's a misconception children are good enough they don't get missed anymore which goes into players just need an opportunity to get spotted you know yeah. um, that's another misconception um, yeah I don't I don't like it I don't like the way football's going I think there's so much to be learned like I've said on the personal front, Personal development—we've just been through that a lot um, of playing with your friends, and there's so much can be learned from playing with players who are better than you and with players who aren't as good as you. If you're only playing against people the same level as you or slightly above, and and with players who are only as good as you and above, you're not being stretched either way. You're not—it's no leadership about helping improve other players around you and making them look better and. uh, I sometimes feel if you're in a mixed ability team, then you're more likely to scrap and fight for for your wins sometimes. Whereas in these elite leagues, I hate to say it, but there's normally three or four teams that are very good in the league and they batter the ones that are below them, seven, eights, nines, tens, nils, and that's no good for anybody. Because with kids football, it's really, really difficult to get a league of 12 teams that are all very, very equal. Um and it will
0: depend on which coach slash parent has gone and tapped up, which we talked about. <laughs> yeah, we're going full circle. Haven't we? We've talked about already on this podcast. Um who's tapped up the best local talent for their
1: super elite performance yeah. development um, programme, whatever they're calling it. Yeah, and what tends to happen is the team that this kid's been tapped up for They've gone along and they're finding it. Well, then another team comes and taps up the best players from that team. And then you're looking around going, well, half the team's gone. Where have they gone? Oh, they've gone to the team down the road that's second in the league and and linked with this pro club. Well, we'll go and have a look there. And you end up just taking your kid round." Around and round and round. Shall
0: I just go back to the grassroots club I was with originally? Where we where, had so much fun. Where my coach is now disillusioned <laughs> and really upset with the way they've been treated. Yeah, exactly. That's um,
1: a full circle. It is a full circle. As long as the training's good and they're getting loads of contact time with the ball, um, then I don't think you have to be in any wonderful bells and whistles uh, league at all. Um, and I think... A lot of parents realise this and they'll put their kid into an elite league on a Saturday and play with their friends on the Sunday thinking that they've got the best of both worlds. Um, again, I don't like that either. For many, many reasons. I wrote a whole chapter on it in the book. You can tell the book's almost out, can't you, Jeff? Just keep mentioning it. Um, but yeah, I don't want really to go too deep into each one of these. Anything else there, Jeff? Misconceptions in football? Um, For me,
0: I only coach futsal now, don't I? Um, and it's parents thinking that they get to a point and then they think their child has to play football to become a better football player. Or well, they've convinced themselves, mm-hmm. right? Thank you, futsal. Thank you, Pez's. Thank you, Wessex. Pat on the head, pat on the shoulder, pat on the back. Thanks for what you've done. But now, because they want to be it, all they want to do is be a professional football player they've got to be playing football twice a weekend and training three times a week in football. No more futsal, thanks very much. Yeah. So I personally think if you scrapped all youth football and only did futsal, you produce much better football players. And I'm a big believer in if you only did futsal, you'd become a better football player. But if you only did football, you might not even become a better football player than you did originally Mm -hmm. if you were doing futsal and football together as a dual pathway Um, so I think my biggest misconception is play football to become a better football player when you could be maybe trying some other sports and keeping your futsal up alongside it if you're doing futsal and if you don't know what futsal is go and try it and see if you don't benefit from the accelerated we've got a futsal question coming up so we don't need to go
1: too much into the benefits of futsal because I'm sure we'll hammer into that soon but yeah i i actually had someone ask me about your sessions their kid very good puts it all down to playing futsal and obviously a little bit of you as well jeff um that they're as good as they are now but felt that they would never get spotted by a professional football scout playing futsal so they were going to leave somewhere where the kid loved and getting massive benefits from so probably sacrificing a bit of their development or a lot of their development um, just for an opportunity to possibly get spotted what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well i probably get that once a season said to my face Yeah. Uh, and then I imagine there's at least four or five each age group that it. are thinking the same thing <laughs> but are brave enough to say it to, yeah. to me um, my thoughts on it are look at all the legends of the game, and see what they did growing up. Yeah, it would be some form of if it was in England, um, working men's boys club or whatever it was. Guys are playing indoors up north with a lot of other people. Um, if not, it's street football, which like is Ramp football, yeah, fo- futsal in Argentina or Brazil or Portugal or Spain. It's in all the schools um, before they make a choice. You know which which pathway they're going to choose and it's quite often a dual pathway I'm growing up. so um, and then looking closer to home um, I have had a scout from a pro club come and approach me about a player at a futsal tournament uh, under 16s so as late on as that where they're probably not even being looked at at their grassroots football clubs or their elite pretend I'm something, I'm not grassroots football <laughs> clubs. So I've had a scout come up to me at a uh, FA tournament to say, can we speak to the parents of this child Is in your under-16s team? Um, and then Max Kilman got scouted playing futsal for England um, and is now Wolves captain um, in the Premier League. In the Premier League, playing week in, week out. So the last time I saw him, he was playing against Jacob Wise, which was one of our Pez's coaches, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, who's about six foot. Gave him a right old torrid time. Yeah. Jacob Bailey got a kick of the ball. And then the next time I saw him, he was marking Harry Kane at White Hart Lane. <laughs> um, right at the start of the last season, I think yeah. it was. Uh, not White Hart Lane, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It's yes. called now, isn't it? So... um Definite misconception, and I've got plenty of stats, and there's plenty more. Um, you've you've posted just this week about three international players that have come through Salisbury and Andover, of Street Soccer growing up playing futsal that have played for England, Georgia, and the USA in this past yeah, month. in the Pan Am games,
1: you were saying that's a massive thing. Um, so, yeah, all get, from the same get, sport. Get into, tour. I mean, it's incredible, get really. Get in touch if
0: you want more stats.
1: Um, yeah. Um, do you think? Hate to throw it all onto you, but do you think parents um, are happy to sacrifice their child, maybe fulfilling their potential or their? How do I put this? I think a lot of parents know that their children would be better footballers if they stayed doing one thing, but they sacrifice that for either an opportunity or because football looks like the real thing and there's this thing that that's the adult game I want my kid playing real football because it looks like the adult game and I can shout and I can get involved and it's a little bit about them as well sorry to throw that on
0: you I think if you put it in black and white like that in front of them they would say no 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 but the second that that choice is there to be made it's like some dark cloud that just comes over isn't it? and yeah. just takes over and those parent blinkers that ego and everything that goes with it whether they realise that or not takes over and they convince themselves because of their own confirmation bias that that is um definitely i would only ever make the right choices for my child and or worse still they football, always make football. their own choices and
1: you're like yeah of course, yeah, it of course they do, do yeah. <laughs> yeah it's um yeah loads of eight and nine year olds yeah. um make all their own choices don't they it's, but anyway we don't want to go down that rabbit older do we no. um anything else in there You had a long old list. I had a long old list. I think, actually, with our rants, we've got through most of it. Um, The one we haven't touched on is goal scorers always get noticed the most. It's quite a naive way of looking at it. And I think because goals in youth football are really the only measurable thing, Um, wins and goals, that a lot of parents want their kids to be a goal scorer and score lots of goals because... One, they can have a nice Facebook post about it and two they're the ones that are going to get noticed um, and um, might get an opportunity to get scouted for a pro club um, which is really disrespectful for all the decent scouts out there that know exactly what they're looking for and what they want Um, and uh, it's not true it's a misconception so there we are I know because I've been a pro scout for how many years was it five something like that And often I find that goal scorers, I don't know, the goals actually mask other areas of their game. Because they think, well, I'm the one that's sticking the ball in the net. Um, They don't need to work on other areas of their game, so they might be completely one-footed. They might only have one trick in the locker that works or whatever level they're at at the moment. Um, and when they go up through the levels that stops working and the goals start drying up so do not fall down that rabbit hole of just forcing them to score goals and that means things like um, encouraging them to be greedy paying them for goals if you get a hat trick today we'll stop at mcdonald's pound a goal all that kind of stuff don't do it that's you're trying to force something in the um, short term that will have a detrimental effect on them in the long term, without doubt. Because the goals will dry up one day. They will do. And even in you know, the Championship and the, the Premier League, you get goal scorers who can score at one level and can't at the other. You, you, know, And they get frustrated and get found out, and then they have to drop down a level. And it's the same right the way through all the age groups don't put so much emphasis on sticking the ball in the back of the net. Even though it is the most hardest thing to do in football. But you have to get the balance right between the, the other areas of the game. Because I've known goal scorers, Jeff, and they're only scoring because they've got a harder kick. Because they're 12 years old, but they've got a body of a 15-year-old and they can smash the ball in. And they've got a goal in their garden, so all they do is with their favourite foot is practice smashing the ball at goal. And they might score four or five goals a game but actually at football you know, you throw them the ball they can't control it and they're really average or worse than average um, and then when the goals start drying up they've got nothing else to offer the team and then they're not going to get any opportunities anywhere is that another tangent we went on was it another rant I don't know no <laughs> I think and then I think the only other two was that all coaching is the same and all coaches are the same and I don't even know what my thinking was when I wrote those but well, i'm sh- sure it was you that said to me what do you call a rubbish doctor once is <laughs> yeah. that a doctor yeah yeah you, you know you can't always say or just because i think my thinking was going back to these elite leagues again i don't really want to keep slating them but because there are some very good people involved and some good teams and some good setups but um don't think that they're all the same just because they might have a level three coach if you're lucky um and they play in a certain league because all coaching isn't the same, and all coaches definitely aren't the same, regardless of the level they're at. Cool. Knew that would be a tough one. Tired me out, and that was just off the top of my head, Jeff. But there's loads. Yeah, and there's a few things that popped into my head as we've yeah. along. But do you want to go there or? Uh,
0: I think when a coach is starting out even if it's under six, sevens, eights, they'll quite often hear the same thing. Well, well I quite often hear the same thing. I'm just trying to get them to pass and move
1: at the moment. Yeah, yeah. They're just trying to get them to do... and it's like, well, I should have put that one in my list as well because it's a bugbear of mine. Um, youth football is not a race to see who can get as close to adult football the quickest. Yeah, it's not adult football. It's not it's adult football. It's yeah. kids football. It's called kids football for a reason because it's yeah. played by kids. I think a lot of adults, because they go and watch every game, think it's about them. and The the adults' game is completely different. And unfortunately, if you want your kids to be good footballers when they are adults, they have to be allowed to play kids' football like kids do. Mm. And fortunately, going back to another question, sometimes that's chasing the ball around, making bad decisions, trying to take people on, being selfish. um, And to a certain extent, as we touched on earlier, you have to allow that. Um, because if you're forcing team shape and tactics, you're missing out on such a wonderful golden opportunity to tap into their naivety of the game, their enthusiasm for the ball, um, their energy, by trying to force something that's very static that they will get eventually anyway. Because everyone does, don't they, Jeff? Even I know where to stand on a football pitch. But I'm not as good as I might have been because... When I was six, someone was saying, no, you need to stand over there. And I'm like, no, I want the ball, ball, ball. And they say, no, you can't have it. You've got to stand wide. And then hopefully someone will play the ball to you. And then you've got to quickly, in as few touches as possible, pass it on. And actually, the only way you get good at football is by getting loads and loads of touches of the ball. Which is why training is the most important thing. Because that's where you get your touches in. Your yeah. purposeful practice.
0: It's important for a coach to realize there's a massive difference between a development program and a performance program isn't it and if you're in the premier league you're definitely in a performance
1: program aren't you um yeah and it's a winning business and yeah. it's all about you're, you're only as good as your last result and all of those you know professional cliches um your know, next you know, most important game is your next game and you know, it's win at it all costs, it's a results business and all of that. It's not like that in
0: kids' football. It's very easy to listen to a pundit on the telly talking like Roy King would about winning being everything and yeah. yada, yada, yada. But they're talking about that game that you're watching on the telly that's yeah. a multi-billion
1: pound business, not kids' football. Yeah. And I, As I write in the book, for for a child or children to be able to play at pace elite level pace one and two touch football which is what everyone wants to force they have to spend thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in contact time with the ball you have to earn the right through repetitive practice to be able to play one and two touch you can't just right you can only play two touch now put them in pass a move doesn't work because they're not getting enough contact time on the ball to actually get good at football that makes sense yeah, definitely. Cool. Right, let's move on from those because uh, this is feels like well, I've been in a boxing fight, Jeff. Right, is it my go? Six. No, it's not. Yes, yeah, question six. That's oh, you. it is me. This is a really good one. I like this one. If my child wants a career in football, not necessarily as a player, other than the FA qualifications, what should they do to help support their future career?
0: I know you've asked the question, but I think you're probably the best person to answer so that that I know, because well, you I, spend your life trying to help people in this
1: Yeah, um, and I, walk I, of
0: life and in this scenario.
1: I always say to them, it's not just football, um, it could be drama or it could be art, it could be anything. Throw yourself into it, volunteer, find out what's local to you and contact people and Ask if you can help out, and I get that quite a lot, Jeff. And then you know, before long, you've given them more and more responsibility, and sometimes you become quite reliant on these people. And you like having them around, and an opportunity comes up, and before you know it, they've got a job. So, with me, I always like players to volunteer, um, coaches to volunteer for um, a certain period of time, and I have no set time. It's not like two months, three months. It's like when I think they're ready, and. I'll put them through their coaching badges, and, you know. I'll, so I'll pay for that, for, for the help that they've given me in return, um, and just help develop them and ask them questions. But you know, I used to say to a lad I knew wanted to be an actor. I said, "Well, what are you doing?" So I'm doing drama at school or college or whatever it was. And, like, and what do you mean? So well, what else are you doing? Nothing. I said, "Well, how many thousands of actors are doing?" drama at college and school at the moment and what's going to separate you from them and there's nothing coming back so well, you should be down the, the local amateur dramatic society and volunteering painting stages doing the lighting learning the trade behind the scenes learning how the actors hold themselves and what they're doing off off stage um learning how they dress between performances i don't know jeff because i'm not one but you get the idea throw yourself into it if that's what you're about and you know i always find after a few weeks with a few of them i get a message not normally from them but from parents i she was just wondering when he's going to get paid and you're like well he's not (laughs) so you know not until i think he's ready or he's got this that and the other and then they disappear and you never see them again or i'll get messages saying oh really we'd like some coaching this summer really want to develop and they say all the right things and they say we'll come and do the summer for free and then we'll go from there and they don't even reply to you and you think well i made a, a good decision there so if you want to get on in anything in life throw yourself into it volunteer learn and the best way to learn is on the job so not from youtube and courses and things like that although do that as well go along volunteer help know what it's like when you've got a session plan that's for 12 and only 11 turn up or you're doing a session with nine and it's perfect and one kid says i don't feel very well and sits out and you've got to adapt and so you can learn all those little things just by watching and working closely with an experienced coach and that's the nitty-gritty that's the important things again wonderful session plan jeff happens a lot and then not for you anymore but then you, you turn up at your 3g or whatever and it's blowing a gale the rain's coming down um, and you have to think and adapt on the spot no, I had to change my court size the other day because it
0: had a leaky leaky roof so yeah.
1: still adapting now and you learn deep, deep in breath indoors. don't panic And when you've been doing it long enough you can revert back to other situations and you can only get experience by getting experience mm. happy?
0: yeah and it's similar to the kids as well it's not a race to get there is it it's not no it's not about putting tiktok videos up and youtube videos up saying look at me and what i can do
1: already and a lot of them want it in their bio though don't they yeah their their, um instagram and stuff picture them in a tracksuit and an england badge and um fa qualified coach or something like that or football coach Mm. um and it's it's not a race there's no shortcuts in it if you want to be good at it and um, you should want to be good at it if it's your chosen trade or something you're passionate about. And to get good at it, you need to throw yourself into it and get some experience. Not just the good bits, experience the bad bits too. And that's how we learn and grow and develop a certain amount of
0: resilience. Yeah, it's um, something you're very good at, helping people along that pathway. Personally. I try and
1: they don't always realise that I'm trying to help them. I try stretching them sometimes and it doesn't always work. But sometimes you have to throw them in the deep end a little bit. And as long as it's safe and it's not going to, you know, there's no, um, nothing too bad can happen. Just, yeah, you know, go for it. I'll do it with some of my coaches now. I'll say, actually, I want you to take this warm up. Throw them on a the spot, see how they react. And sometimes they don't realize how much they've learned and, and what they know. They just need a bit of a push. And you're always there to help them out anyway. Very good. Happy, yeah. I like that question. That seems like a more of a um, not a fun question, but I'm D- kind of smiling rather than it. some of the other ones. Yeah. We go too deep, and yeah. I, I feel like we might upset certain people. But I think that one everyone should probably agree with if they think enough about it. Right, is it me, Jeff? Question sevens me. Oh, these two are really. I should both.
0: I should ask both these because they're really for you. No, I'm going to ask question number seven. Oh, are you? Yeah, because we're doing I'm odd and you're even. Yeah,
1: but it's definitely a question for you.
0: But go on then. Why does playing futsal enhance your football training? That's a question for
1: you, mate. Why does playing futsal enhance your football training? Um, Firstly, I don't think there's anything else that's better at creating good footballers than playing a lot of futsal. Um and I don't care whether people say you should have a balance between futsal and football that's open to debate and fair enough I can see um, why people would say play both get a good balance that's absolutely fine but I don't think anything accelerates someone's um, development quicker than playing futsal and I've written here the reasons why and just the ones off the top of my head and Jeff obviously you're the futsal expert but Um, affordances for action so with skill acquisition that's quite um, a buzz term is affordances for action so basically opportunities for action there's more of it in futsal than in football Um, smaller playing area less people you're just mathematics you're getting more opportunities for action whatever that action might be might be 1v1, might be defending it could be anything Um, but you get more of it So you get more opportunities to make decisions. You get more contact time with the ball. The pace and the speed of the game develops quick thinking players that have good purposeful touch. I was thinking about this this morning because I always say it helps develop your touch. And I think actually it helps develop a purposeful touch because in football, especially when they're playing on quite big pitches, you can afford to have a bit of a dodgy touch in kids football, can't you? So if the ball comes over to you, your first touch, you can sort of control it and your second touch can then put it to where you want it to go and then you can pass or do whatever you want to do with it. In futsal, your first touch, you really need to know where you want to go before you get it and that's what you develop. So it's a purposeful touch towards what your next action might be. You Don't just stop it and then work out. But in football, you can get away with that. Um, So I put, it is without doubt an accelerated learning environment. And if you have futsal anywhere near you and you want your kids to... Like someone said earlier, catch up. Did we say futsal? Didn't, did we? Wow. Throw them into futsal if you can. Undoubtedly, not only will they catch up, so if whoever wrote question number one is still listening, not only will they catch up, they probably will overtake the rest. It's that good. And it's that much acceleration. Even if you don't understand it, you don't get the game, think mathematics. More time on the ball, more opportunities for action. Dead simple. Well answered, thanks, mate. Did I steal a lot of that from you? No, no. It's,
0: I you said, that I was the expert, but I've only got any knowledge because of you, really, mate. So. Oh, I thank you. Thanks it's the nicest thing you
1: ever said to me. It must be almost nice Christmas. It's not true, mate. I quite often say I like your hair. Yeah, you do, you do, (laughs) because I haven't got any, so So, like what you've done with your hair. Yeah, cheers mate, it's the same as it's been the last 20 years, (laughs) thanks for noticing. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so obviously, as everybody knows from listening to this, we're big advocates of futsal. In different ways, to be fair, Jeffs loves futsal, he loves the game of futsal, he loves the competitive nature of futsal from professional level all the way down, he loves the team game. Um, everything about it I love futsal because it helps develop better footballers and I still prefer football as a game to futsal but I can't see or come across anything quicker and better for developing footballers than futsal and that's why I love it so much so we both love the game but possibly from different angles or you're just a bit more advanced of it I wouldn't even say that to be honest no no um well, you like the tactics of it as well, don't you? And yeah, I'm yeah. very naive with the tactics of winning a game of futsal. Um, you know, your formations and your tactics because they're very. Is advanced the right word? They can be. Yeah. At the top level. At top
0: level, you might say that, but it's also only ever fire aside, isn't it? Yeah. Or
1: less if you get a player sent off, but. Um, Things like the butterfly formation and things like that, that and your pivots and playing off the pivot and and I get a bit, I don't know, not confused but it's not where my passion lies. My passion lies in skill acquisition and developing yeah. very young footballers. I I don't think it's difficult football. It might not be just the same with so I don't know, but I don't think it's difficult to drill a bunch of children to try and win a game of football. But it's very, very difficult to help those same kids become good footballers, even if they're winning every week. That's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. Helping children fulfil their potential, and futsal, great tool for doing that. I would
0: guess that 99.9% of people that are involved in futsal found it for the same reasons that me and you did too, which was to help develop football players, and then the ones that go on and have a real passion for the game and go into it very in depth um, are the ones that just get hooked in with how exciting the game is really and all those reasons that help you become a better football player um, are the constraints of the game aren't they which is the ball's slightly smaller Yeah, has foam around it so it stays on
1: the floor more um, so you tend to yeah, it's not quicker. like five or five a big furry tennis ball that yeah. I used to play back in the day. You just hoof it up
0: front. And then you play to lines and it stop clock. So there's not like the Tottenham Chelsea football match the other night where I don't know what the percentage of the ball was actually in play, but it was 40 something, I think. It was something yeah. ridiculous where I know they played extra time at first half and uh, added on time, sorry, in the second half as well. But the actual percentage of the ball was rolling was pathetic.
1: Whereas in football it's every... Always the same, because the, the clock's Every breaks. minute the ball's in
0: play, the clock's
1: rolling, and every time it's out, it stops. Yeah. So. You're not allowed to play off the walls, which, again, I used to play off the walls when I was a kid. And I remember people telling me, yeah, it's really good for you, because you're doing like a learn-how-to-do-one-two-passes and all that, but it's... Um, you combine it's them not, with yourself, not with somebody else. Yeah, aren't you? and it's so. not not like having lines to play to Yeah, It, it makes it more like football as well, yeah. because you've got lines. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I say, very um, very important part, if you the, can.
0: The indoor football I played growing up probably hindered my development because I could literally get it, punt it from one end to the other. In the big letterbox size goals. Yeah. yeah, and probably score most of the time and be a hero. Stick it in the corner, don't you? No kid's going to get down. Futsal yeah. forces you to play in tight spaces, make quick decisions, um, do everything you want to see a good football player be able to do
1: yeah, I, over and over and over and over again. I'd say it again, but I write about it in the book that I don't think parents who haven't played at a very high standard of football realise how quick the game is. And I tell a little story in my book when I was at Charlton Athletic and um, we were on an away trip. And we stopped off halfway somewhere in the Midlands, I don't know where we were going. And uh, we'd hired somewhere to do a training session and they were doing um, sort of a match at the end of the the training and one of the lads sort of got a bit of a knock and Alan Pardew said to me, just gave me the nod, you, yeah, (laughs) I've never heard this. Have you never heard this? So I ended up playing playing with championship players, some who played numerous games in the Premier League, at left back. (laughs) I was a right winger (laughs) Um, playing at left back. And, uh, you know, I played a bit and I thought I was quite good at football, but the pace and obviously the lads were bantering and trying to wind me up. So they were fizzing it into me. And I, so you you concentrate so hard on I've got to bring this under control, but then you're not thinking about what you're doing with it next. And then someone's on you. And I don't think parents understand the level and the pace and the quickness of thought and how quickly they ping this ball, this ball about to each other um, so your child might be standing out in an under nines, under tens league at the moment in your local Sunday league or whatever it might be um, and they think oh they're very good in this but there's levels to go through and they need to keep developing and they need to develop that speed of thought and know that their touch is so good that they can deal with the ball getting fizzed in at them at a million miles an hour and still make a good decision and i I was shocked I couldn't I couldn't believe how quick it was and I watched every training session I was on the bench for every match and you still don't know so it's as close to the action as you can be and okay you can see it's quick because you're that close but when you're actually in it and you're expected to make decisions and worry about things that are going on off the ball and what you're going to do when you're on it and uh, incredible and I think futsal really aids that because it's tight spaces quick thinking and going back to another question this just popped into my head um about where we have work experience people on work experience and stuff it might be a good idea at some point to if you could get the same player maybe like um henry from your futsal who plays both football and futsal to send a work experience kid to count how many touches they get on the ball in their football yeah. and how many they get in their foots out in the same weekend. and I think you'd be absolutely, not you, but you in general, would be flabbergasted at the amount of touches that they get. when If they're on the ball more, that means more affordances for action, which means more decisions, which means more failure as well. There's another one I've missed out. You, you fail more in futsal because you're on the ball more and you learn from failure. So everything's accelerated. All the good things and all the bad things, all the learning opportunities. So there we go. Very good, pass. Yeah, I'm smiling again. I good. quite like that one. I thought I was me just going to be asking you and you doing your bit. But, you know, you are Mr. Futsal. Ah, uh, but you're way more knowledgeable well, than you give yourself credit for I've probably missed the skill acquisition I guess which is where my passion lies right is it me now it is, yeah. isn't it this should be a nice easy one to finish on because it's been a bit of a marathon and it wasn't supposed to be was it um, question number eight and our final question who do you think is the best futsal player in the world and why and in brackets past or present over to you Jeffrey Arthur Bonner.
0: It's is daddy, isn't it? Yours will be your son. <laughs> when he was playing. When he was
1: playing futsal, he was my favourite futsal player. That's fair enough. And mine's both my nephews. Done. Done. Yeah, Completed it, mate. Actually, you don't know me as well as you think because I was going to say myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I do know you well enough. <laughs> um, no, who is the best player in the world? Uh,
0: He's injured at the moment, but probably Pharrell, who's the top man, the pivot is called in futsal. What's the pivot? Explain to him. Striker. Striker. Quite often a big, strong player. Because
1: sometimes in football, pivots are not aren't they? Yeah.
0: They're the holding midfielder normally in yeah. football, aren't they? But pivot just means fulcrum, doesn't it? So pivot in football is the person who sprays it right to left and switches play mm-hmm. fulcrums it across pivots it around the pitch and in futsal it's just flipped round because it will go into the pivot and they'll hold it off and play out from the right to the left to set up the attack Um, but historically
1: um, sorry who does that who was that player again? uh, Farrell and who does he play for? Barcelona Barcelona. and Brazil Barcelona and
0: Brazil Uh, and I got to watch him play live twice now I think we went to Barca together, didn't? Oh, did he play then? I think he might have been there. I'm just trying to think. Um, but we were t- so excited about watching Ricardini play, and yeah,
1: seamless sort of, there, mate. The way you went from yeah, Uh you know, we saw um, Ardi- present to past. Ricardinho do a flip flap. Yes, beat a player, which was so a few years ago. I randomly messaged Jeff and said, "Let's go Barcelona and watch some futsal. And Jeff, being his normal self, went. Oh, no, I've got so much on. So I pretty much had to drag him there. And we went to watch Barcelona in Barcelona versus Inter movie star. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yes, Ricardinho was playing. He was by far the best player in the world by then, I I imagine. My limited knowledge. But he was wonderful and it was a wonderful experience. Um, Since then, somebody brought up about... Lozano's had a couple of...
0: Um, knee injury since then I don't think you'd even realise that you'd watched him play when it was brought up over a Zoom during I lockdown I thought I ate plenty of Yeah, that's, there, that's, but that's what your reply was it <laughs> made me laugh because you saw him kick off that game <laughs> and captain the Barca team um, and before that um,
1: Falcao for Brazil probably he's like the Pele isn't he like yeah. the god of futsal I guess so. Um, the first and the best. Probably controls star. the
0: ball and a bit like Zidane would in football. Like any part of his body just kills it dead. was unbelievable. Yeah, I remember
1: someone, Got, when we talked about him once before, saying, um, you know, trying to have a bit of a dig at futsal, saying he would be no good at football. Um, and it turned out that he'd won the it Copa to libertadores the... Uh, South American Champions League with some team at football I think that might have been a bit of a PR star. I'm not too sure about it's on Wikipedia mate so it must be true going and playing but,
0: um, it must be true yeah. but he was a good footballer as well there's no doubt all these people would be decent football players if they transitioned across um, but we'll probably won't get talked about enough if people are asked who the best futsal player in the world is, is goalkeepers oh, yeah. and they just are excellent at every
1: single level because you have to be nuts to be a keeper and double yeah. nuts to be a futsal keeper you don't even wear gloves no,
0: no. Um, nuts and they're quite often playing with hand injuries and dislocated fingers and but their their te- technique and just some of the saves that you see on, you know in England playing going around at any level tier 3 2 or the 1 bravery it's just the athleticism they are insane, the goalkeepers. Yeah, and crazy. now they're playing more and more with their feet and they're coming out and playing fly keeper, whereas 10 years ago it would always be a, an outcourt player that would go and be a fly goalkeeper and play over the halfway line because you know they can
1: use their feet. And it's, um, Sorry to but is it. Is fly keeper a just a futsal term? I'll tell you why I say it, because when the Spurs keeper, when they were down to 9-0 the other night, he was coming out. <laughs> Um, I think it was Jamie Carrigan um, said, oh, he's playing fly keeper. And I thought, yeah, no, no way not. Jamie Carrigan knows anything about futsal. He was,
0: he was actually playing like sweeper keeper. Sweeper so keeper, you yeah. call it, really. But, but he said fly keeper and it yeah. stuck in my head. I mean, he, even when we were kids in the playground, he'd shout fly keeper and he'd just come running out. Really? one, yeah. So I I, I think it's both terminology, but it's very specific to futsal because the goalkeeper can only have it once in their own half in a possession for four seconds, but as soon as they go over the halfway line, they just become an out-court player. Yeah. Um, so getting a goalkeeper over the halfway line means you've created a 5v4 overload. Uh,
1: I heard someone the other day, when Edison was playing so well for Man City and spraying the ball about and how much trust that they've got in him and Pep's got in him, that it's getting towards the point where it's like having 12 outfield yeah. Um, sorry, 11 outfield players um, because he's that good so he can push on and they can trust him to have the ball very high up the pitch and not give it away and they're having a debate is that where it might get to in yeah, well, why 15, not? 20 years time that your keeper comes out and actually gets more involved and now our trends that go from futsal
0: into football like um, the full 0 tactics that you were talking about earlier, I think you mentioned, didn't you, or the butterfly, butterfly you said here, yeah. which is a four zero movement, um, is playing without a striker. So without that pivot in futsal, without the front man. And when lots of teams started doing that in futsal, so did Spain and Barcelona play with, without a striker and that front man target man to try and, so you get, get that overload. Um, and the Iniesta quote is take your mates with you, isn't it? Through the thirds. Um, and that's exactly what you're trying to do there. So there are already trends that have come across
1: in the style of play. Yeah, and you see, going back to goalkeepers, you see um, their body shape when they come out, very futsal style now. A lot of the keepers do, especially the Spanish ones. De Gea was the first one yeah. I noticed. He would come out in that you know, spreading shape, one knee down, and I don't know what it's called. but K-shape. So, yeah, K-shape. it used to just be Peter Schmeichel's come out and
0: star jump, didn't it? Yeah, it's so, everything. To, <laughs> to cover all the angles of the goal. Yeah. But now, I think even in the football side, goal play- goalkeepers have realised that K shape. You've got one leg covers the back post, one covers the front
1: foot, covers the near post, and then your arms do and the you, top corners. Not making you, because so many goals put through the keepers' yeah. legs, either by design or by accident. Um, so they're sort of trying to cover that as well. I've noticed a lot more of that foot shape in Premier League.
0: So, yeah, I'm not a goalkeeping expert, but the goalkeepers everywhere in futsal are, like you said, they've got to be crazy to do it, but they're also technically unbelievable and um, just so efficient with their distribution, with their hands and with their feet now that um, it would be unfair for me um, to overlook all the goalkeepers. I know
1: the answer to this, but do you think then if you've got a child who's a budding goalkeeper that futsal... Be a good place to to bung them
0: a hundred percent because could it even be more important maybe for keepers because it's so important now to and get good with your feet just like the repetitions in um futsal for an out court player an outfield player in football they tend to get so many more repetitions of making saves if they're playing a the game but also the co- coaching is really really specific so they'll get a tennis racket out on a tennis ball and they'll literally get you making that k-shape to make sure a tennis ball won't nut make you so there's no way a football's going for it if you then mm-hmm. go back to football um let alone a
1: futsal ball so i love goalkeeper coaching because it's so specific it's individual isn't it which mm-hmm. is everything you love about coaching yep and still have the belief that football should be treated as an individual sport until the age of about 12 but I'm not going down that rabbit hole now because we have been chatting for almost an hour and a half, Jeff. All right. And uh, I think we should probably think about wrapping it up. Um, if you do have any questions, and obviously we've had some really long ones today. If you've got any questions, whatever length, then please do send them in. Um, you can do it by, well, we'll put some links at the bottom of this one, but you can, you can email them into us or find us on our um, YouTube channel channel even with on YouTube Jeff which not a lot of people know about so we do film these and put them on YouTube um, and on our social media platforms we've got Jeff Bonner and you've got Perry Cocken not difficult to find and I run Pezz's Street Soccer so find us somehow send us a question we will put it um, on the list and answer it in due course Um, hopefully by the time the next episode comes out the last one of this series my book will be out so we'll be able to have a chat about that Jeff and hopefully you'll have a copy in your hands that we can talk about which would be nice very very exciting Um, and don't forget please if you've enjoyed it or even if you haven't please subscribe and share it along because um, it does help to grow the podcast and we do do it for absolutely nothing in fact I think people would be horrified about how much money it costs me per episode to actually put this on Um, but somebody who has helped is my friend Scott um, who has helped us a little bit by sponsoring us and his company is SR Health Safety and Engineering Limited. So all thanks to them and as always never forget football isn't that important but children are. We'll see you next time.